morning, church. Good morning. I, can, I cannot stop saying good morning because it's a really good morning. And it's so good to see you again. It's so good to see part of your faces. I know, I know this is a bit weird as everyone is saying. Let me say it again. It is a bit weird. But this is such an historical day. Not just that you are here celebrating Riverside's third birthday, but it's the first time that we come together after all this COVID outbreaky thing. This is going to be a day that you're going to tell your kids, your grandkids about one day, that time where you had to do church with a mask because there was a, a bit of a risk of getting this virus. But still, you made it. You're here. Praise Jesus for that. You're here, and we're celebrating together. And those who are online, they cannot be with us physically, but God is for you, God is with you, and we're celebrating together. We are part of the same spirit. We have the spirit of God with us, and we want to keep celebrating because God is worthy of all our praises. Amen. I don't know how you felt about online church. I don't know if you liked it, I don't know if you kind of hated it. I know that some people are not very keen about being online and doing the kind of activities that we did on live. Um, but it was good. Thank you, Teresa. She's with us. It was all worth it just because of you. But I believe that as we come back to this auditorium, and, and fortunately enough, the government allowed us to be back with many restrictions, many rules, but still, we, we take it. We don't mind. We're going to do it because we miss each other way too much for, for not to gather together. But at the same time, I have to admit, part of me was feeling, why do we gather? And this is the question that I want us to think about this morning. Why do we gather? Why are we here? Leaving the safety and the comfort of our homes... Why are we here when the government is now recommending for people to even be at church? You can go grocery shopping, you can go for a walk in the park, but they definitely say it's not very recommended that you go to a public gathering. Why do we wake up so early on a Sunday morning just to meet a bunch of strangers as well, obviously people that we know, but sometimes people can also be strangers, why do we make the effort, especially when our week was so tiring? And I don't want to, I can basically look at your eyes, so I can tell that you are a bit tired. I know that probably your week wasn't the easiest week, but still, you decided to come. And even if you had to wear a mask the whole time, how uncomfortable it is. I mean, it's basically you're breathing the same air that you just breathe out, it's a bit weird but but still you decide to do it so and then you probably caught catch the metro or a bus you got all dressed up if you live with other people you had to wait for them to get ready because otherwise you're probably going to be late some of you were serving this morning so you had to be here even earlier and you make all this effort and all of a sudden you're here you find a seat wow what look at this auditorium so so few seats, what are we going to do then? And then you find your, your seating area, you sit and you think like, why am I here? All of this turmoil, everything kind of changes this morning and all of a sudden you're here and you question, why am I actually here? 
And I know that this happens to me quite a bit. I don't know if this happens to you, but sometimes I'm at home, imagine in the living room, and some thought comes to my mind and I have to go to the kitchen or I have to go to my bedroom. But once I get there, I completely forgot why I left the living room. So all of a sudden you're there and you're like, okay, I know I was supposed to come here for a reason. Let me look around. <laughs> But I have no idea right now. So let me go back to the living room and let's try to restart. This happens to me very often. I don't know if it's a, a sign that I'm aging. But, but as we come to church, we can also make the same question. Why do we gather? Especially those who are serving. Why are you here holding hand sanitizer to people to, to put in their hands? Why are you wearing a mask? Why are you having to serve others and being here time and time again, Dina time and time again on that computer, making sure things are working out, and Josh on the sound, and the worship team. Why? And especially doing it without a pay. Why do we gather? Why do we do this? And I want us to think about an, the answer for about five seconds. If someone asked you this morning, right now, why are you in this gathering, what would you answer? What would be your answer, your biblically filled, your spirit, spiritually filled answer to this question? Now let me turn on my radar. Okay. Okay, I got all your answers. You believe me? Because when we ask people this, I'm going to share with you some of the answers, most uh, the positive answers that people gave. And the first one, the first reason, Dina, can you... Show us is to hear a message. How many of you have thought about this? Okay, Marta. Okay, the radar caught you. Okay. Some of you think, why do we get together to hear a message? Because we believe in the power of the Word of God. We believe in the importance of the Word of God. We know it's just not words that are written in a book. We know that the Spirit of God uses His Word to change lives. The Bible is, it has the power to change, to transform our lives. And when we receive the Word of God, we receive revelation. We feel inspired. But if this is the only reason why we get together, think with me for a little bit. I think it's a bit outdated. Because nowadays you can get information in so many ways. Ways that are way more effective than me standing here with a microphone and speaking loudly. I have a friend from uh, the Netherlands. He says that I shout a lot for his standards. It's quite possible. I'm Portuguese. I'm, I'm quite this individual that my, my, it's like my blood boils a little bit when I'm, when I'm preaching. And, and obviously, it's going to come a little bit louder than usual. But you have to put up with me because you want to hear what God has in store for us. But isn't it so much better when you go online and you click the link? You're going to hear a message from a world-renowned speaker with so much anointing, and it's exactly the kind of talk that you want to listen. There's so many ways, and now podcasts, you just can't open your phone and choose the topic. Choose what suits you in that moment and receive a biblical message. So if we gather together to hear a message... I think there are better ways to hear a message than just having to gather together. Another answer is the second, worship 
and sing. And obviously, we love to do that. It's amazing when we come together and every time we have to sing, almost every single time, because we love singing and we know that it's also powerful and beautiful when we declare our love for God, when we say how much we care for him and how much he cares for us, when we declare his faithfulness, his goodness, his kindness, the salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ, it's beautiful and powerful. But obviously, if it's all about worship and singing, we don't have the best instruments. We might not have the best voices. We don't even have the best auditorium to worship and sing. You, can you hear the echo sometimes when we're singing and sometimes it's a bit louder? It's not ideal. If it was about worship and singing, we would have to go to Arena uh, or Altice Arena, right in Parc de Genesoins. You would have to go to a concert arena, and there we can have good quality worship and singing. So why do we gather then? If it's not about necessarily about worship and singing, why do we gather? The third one, some people say it, is that my kids need it. Because parents, they need to catch a break. They need a teacher, someone who is patient to be with their kids for a little while and teach them the stories of the Bible and sing with them and, and, and paint and do creative things with them. And, and obviously, it's so important to teach kids the ways of the Lord, to teach uh, a kid to listen to God's voice and navigate life with all its challenges. But I think that they're probably better ways to do it than on a Sunday morning when kids are cranky and they would rather be at home sleeping a little bit longer. The first one is to make God happy. And that's a really good reason. We know that in one way or another, because we come together, it makes God's heart happy. And that's why many of us simply decide, okay, I don't feel like going, but I know that God wants me to go. So I'll go. We want to make God happy. And sometimes it's not God. Maybe it's your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your friend from church. Well, if I don't go, they will be, uh, they will be calling me, so I better just go. But even if it's to make other people happy, aren't there more effective ways of doing that as well? Why would God be simply happy with the gathering people coming together if, as we spoke about, it's quite ineffective and inefficient to do all of these things. And the fifth reason is also a very good one, is that Jade is really cute. <laughs> and I know that for some of you, that's the thing that comes to your mind. Obviously, it's so good to be with Jade in the morning, and obviously, she is a cutie. I cannot... Um, I cannot say it enough. So if this is a reason why you came, mission accomplished. You've seen Jade. But still, there are better ways of doing it. If you follow Gabby and me on social media, you will see plenty of pictures of Jade, plenty of videos of Jade. And the best part, the best side of Jade, so you don't have to put up with the crying when she's being annoying, with the burping and all the different sounds and things that come out of her body. You don't have to deal with that. You just have to deal with happy Jade. So if we get analytical about the reason why we gather, there are more efficient and even more economical ways 
of us doing all these different things. We even have to pay rent to be here in Lisbon. Why do we do that? Why do we spend that money? But God goes to say something about this in the book of Hebrews, and we're going to read this verse, Hebrews 10, verse 25. And the Word of God says, Don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. So the closer we get to the promised return of Jesus, and the more time goes by, and it seems less necessary for us to gather together, it feels like I'm, I'm speaking to myself, hey, I'm just going to go on YouTube, I'm just going to open the podcast this week, I'm going to listen to that really amazing preacher. He touches my heart every time uh, that he or she speaks. I'm going to put the worship band from that church because they're just amazing and awesome. They, want, they make me want to jump. If I go to Riverside Lisbon, they don't make me want to jump. But when I listen to them, I really enjoy it. But when these things pop to our hearts, the Bible says, don't meet less. Meet more. Don't stop getting together do it even more. And the reason is simply one, and that it is really hard for us to fathom the complete, um, the complete understanding of the, the, of the purpose, but there is something inherently, inherently valuable in gathering that matters to the heart of God and has an impact in our lives. There are there's a remarkably small amount of things about this list that we just read. Things that are read, speaking about the Bible, about what does the church do when we gather together. If you go do a study and see what the Bible, the New Testament has to say about it, there's not much saying about our gatherings. Obviously, we know in the Bible that there was a message at some point someone would speak. But it doesn't say the style of preaching. It doesn't say what kind of verses are we supposed to teach about. It doesn't say the, the style of the preacher, if I have to wear a collar, if I have to, can wear just a shirt like this one. It doesn't say if we have to use a microphone or not. There's not much saying about how we should hear the message. But there is a message, and, and if you can remember, there was that time in Acts 20 that Paul was preaching on the third floor of a room, and, and ba basically because he wasn't going to spend much time in that, that city, he was preaching and preaching and teaching and teaching, and the Bible says it was already midnight when Paul was still preaching, and all of a sudden, a guy that was standing next to the window, he fell asleep, and the Bible says that he fell from the third floor and he died. Good news is that he was brought back to life again. <laughs> Obviously, he was listening to the word of God. But still, I, the Bible simply says, don't preach until someone has to die. So that's why I'm going to do my best to be 35, 40 minutes tops because the Bible doesn't say much about how I should preach and how we should uh, hear a message on the Sunday morning. The second, obviously, we're about worshiping and singing, but... What should we sing? Who chooses the songs that we sing? I know it was Pedro, right, Pedro? Yes. So he's to blame. If you don't like the lineup, it was Pedro. But Pedro chose the songs. The Bible doesn't say who needs to choose the songs. 
It doesn't say the style of the songs as well. It doesn't say that if the church music needs to sound like Andrea Bocelli or, or maybe some more like you two. The Bible doesn't speak specifically how many times does the team need to rehearse, the kind of equipment that we need to use. And obviously the third one, kids, we need to teach our kids, but what is the most effective, the most efficient way? How do we know if they're really learning the things that we're trying to instill in their hearts? What kind of stories, what kind of activities should we paint with them? Should we sing with them? The Bible doesn't give us a straight answer. And of course, the fourth one, it is implied that God is happy when we gather together, but we don't know exactly why. And how many times should we meet per month or per week? How often, if it, we're going to have lunch or dinner or nothing at all or just tea with some biscuits? We have no idea because the Bible doesn't go in that, that specific. On this account in the passage that we just read, God simply says, be together. Amen. It's a commandment. Be together. There is something in our gathering that matters way more than just a list of things that we do when we gather together. Because Paul knew and God knew that as society moved forward, people are getting more individualistic and more self-centered than ever before. And because Paul knew this, he wrote, as society advances, as it seems less and less necessary for us to gather, I want you to do it even more. Because it's important. As everyone tends towards individualism, I want you to think collectively. I want you to think about the group of people. Sometimes I watch those home improvement shows. Who's a fan of those shows that they tear down apartments and and they redo the walls and the rooms and furniture. Some of you, okay. I'm not, I'm not linking a lot with many of you. That's okay. That's okay. But if you like those shows, and one thing that is happening a lot is that the main area of a house used to be the living room. The living room is where everyone, once they arrive at home, it's where everyone gathers. And I'm, I'm part of, I lived at a time where my living room was just the place where I slept. Because studying, eating, watching a movie, listening to music, it was always in the living room where there were other people. But nowadays, the idea is completely different. Now every room has a screen. Now every room, you can regulate the temperature. Now every room is designed specifically for your needs and for your well-being, how you feel you're gonna uh, you're, you want to be in, the, in a specific moment. There's less and less necessity of us being together. And while we, and that's when we look at the Bible, and we need to go back to the beginning. We need to understand. Why do we gather? Why has the church been gathering for like 2,000 years? And not just Sundays, but multiple times a week. Why do we gather? And while we don't know many details, we know one very important thing that the early church did. And they did very well. 
And probably, and I want to challenge us this morning to see it as the one reason, the most important reason why we get together. And one of the earliest mentions in the Word of God is in John chapter 15, when Jesus commanded us to love one another. These two words, one another. One another. They're all over the New Testament. The Bible was, speaks about one time Jesus was passing by a place called Caesarea Philippi. And he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And the disciples told Jesus, well, some people say you're a prophet, you're like Elijah, John the Baptist. Uh, some people say that you're this and that. And Jesus turns to them and asks them, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, right on, spot on. You nailed it. It's exactly that. My father has revealed that to you. And with that idea, Jesus told, I am going to build my church. And you know this already. And church is not about a building. Church is not uh, about a place. And sometimes we even call it the house of God. But church doesn't mean that. Church comes from the Greek. It's a word that was commonly used. That is ecclesia. And ecclesia means gathering, assembly. So basically, Jesus says, because of that very important truth, that essential truth that has been revealed to your heart, I want you to know that I'm going to form a gathering. I'm not going to build the temple. I'm not going to put up a, 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 um, a structure to have a concert. I'm not going to put a podium and with very comfortable cinema-style chairs for you to sit while you listen to me. Jesus said, I'm going to form a gathering. I'm going to assemble people. And, and this was in response of exactly what Peter said. Jesus told him, I'm going to start a movement, a group of people and the way that everyone will know that you're part of it is that you go there every single Sunday. Is that what it says? The way that people know that you belong to this gathering is that you're going to sing with them in the same key with the same instruments. You're going to go there and all of you are going to bring your kids so that we can teach them the ways of the Lord. The way that people will know that you and I, we belong to this gathering, this ecclesia that Jesus formed, is because we love one another. We are going to be known by the love that we have for one another. One another. These two words that we read in the Bible, it's not about a specific place. It's not about a specific message. It's not about the way that we worship. It's not about the lights or whatever it is that you like when we gather together. You will not be known by the place you worship, by the temple you worship at. You will be known by the people you worship with. And this is so much more relational than any other religion. The Bible says, and Jesus was teaching in, in Matthew chapter 5, in, back in the, the day 
When people used to sacrifice in the Old Testament, if you don't know much about it, well, it's very graphic and very specific, but basically, before people, the, one of the best ways of worshiping God was through sacrifice, was bringing the best that we had to God, and it would be burned and given to God as an offering. And the Bible says, and Jesus was t telling the people that when you are sacrificing to God, when you are worshiping God with all your heart, if anyone, if you have something against someone, if there's a conflict, if there's a misunderstanding, if there's a problem in your own level of relationships, then you drop down your offering, your sacrifice, and you go meet with the person, make amends, make peace between you, and then you come back, and then you give your sacrifice to God. Time and time again, the Word of God tells us that relationships are the most important aspect of our worship. And the Bible gives us this list. Are you ready to take notes? Okay, start writing. No, don't, 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 don't write down. Just go to a Bible, online Bible, and search the words one another. This is basically all the things that the New Testament specifically tells us about one another. One another is the essence of why we get together. We get together to love one another. It says at least 17 times in the New Testament, love one another, devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, accept one another, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and, and spiritual songs, pray for one another, show hospitality to one another. I'm not going to go into these because... Many of you already know, you've read the Word of God, you know what is implied, you know what it says, what the Word has to say about our relationship with one another. The primary activity of the church was and should always be one another. Let me use it as a verb, to one another. One anothering one another. We get together because of each other. Because every single person matters. It matters to God. They should matter to us. And there are three important words in our main passage of today that hopefully will help us understand this big list of one another. So let's read Hebrews 10 verses 24-25. And let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. These three very important words. The first word, consider. And consideration is just not opening the door to someone. Say, please, you first. No, thank you. You go first. Considering is not about that. Considering is to be intentional and st strategic in the way that we think about each other. Lots of things come to our minds when we think about each other. But considering one another is caring about you specifically, is thinking, how can I serve this person better? How can I take care of someone, somebody else's needs? We do that in counseling time and time again. 
You wouldn't consider me your pastor when you met with me and we sit to have a conversation about whatever's going on in your life. If I'm not paying attention, if I'm thinking about the designs or the website or other things about the church, I mean, you wouldn't gather with me a second time. When we are together, my understanding and my line of thought needs to be, let me understand you, how you are thinking, how you are feeling. Let me take notes. And sometimes, some of you know, I do this. I, I need to write down some things so that I can process with you. Because that is the best way that I can give you priority. This is the best way that I can consider you and, and your needs as important. What can I do for others? And let me tell you, there is more one anothering in, at breakfast in church when we used to have breakfast than specifically here in the auditorium. There is more one anothering when we get outside of this building than when we are inside of it. And that's why we need to think. We need to process. We need to be intentional in the way that we see the relationships between us. I need to love and I need to serve and I need to think about the other and how I need to serve them better. And there's so many ways that we can do it together. Ananya and Andre, they had a baby just a, a few days, maybe a week, two, two weeks ago, they had a baby. They're part of this community. They had baby Isabel, they already had Anna, and now uh, they're somewhere trying to manage their lives with two babies in the house, and I can't imagine how scary that could be. Just one baby, imagine two, my gosh. Let God, God help us. God help us all. But because we love them, and I appreciate it so much, because you love them, you know them, and you know exactly what they needed, people from this community got together and said, let us cook for them. So as they try to settle their lives in this new season, things will be a little bit easier. At least they don't have to think about food. This is one anothering. This is thinking and considering someone. So think about it. As we lived during this time, this, these corona-filled, not-so-filled times, how can we serve others? How can I think about others? How can I think about their needs and meet them in some sort of way? The second word is spurring, to spur. And spur means to agitate. Literally, it means to annoy someone. So Paul is saying, I am giving you permission to annoy someone. And in our gatherings, first we get to know each other. And it's an amazing time. In every relationship, the first time is we get to know each other. And it's beautiful. It's lovely. Then you get considerate to one another. Now that I've met you, I know some of your needs. So let me help you by meeting some of those needs. Let me serve you. Let me think about you and placing you first. But then something really awkward happens, is that people start to annoy us. And I'm not talking about just the, the natural traits and, and how people are different, because that's a given. People are different. But spurring means that someone is going to challenge you to be better. 
Someone is going to give you an opportunity for you to be better, to you, for you to act better, for you to grow. And that's what most pastors do and the elders of a church do. We have really amazing conversations, but sometimes you're going to hear me say, maybe you shouldn't do things that way. Maybe you shouldn't have reply that way. Maybe you need to think a little bit about how other people are going to perceive the things that you're doing. And this is spurring. This is uncomfortable. And sometimes when we spur one another, some people get out of that door with the same, at the same pace that they came in inside. Because they don't like it. And we don't like it when someone spurs us. And I think that some people have the ministry of spurring. Where they have, they, they don't know much about considering one another, but they have, really have the gift to see everything that is wrong in your life and pointing it out and seeing how different you should be and how different you should act. I'm not talking about it. If you want to know, this is a, a really good idea and a rule of thumb for your life. Don't spur someone until you are convinced and reassured that you have encouraged them before. We don't have authority to spur someone in the body of Christ if our lives are not encouraging them over and over again. And that's why spurring has a place. Spurring is how are you really doing? And that's not something that we do with everyone. Not many people have that door open in my heart and life when they ask me, how are you doing and how are you really doing? You know the people who you allow to speak those words into your heart. And God asks us to have those people who have that authority. But most of the time, and one thing that everyone should do is to encourage Spurring and encouraging, they balance our gathering. Some churches are all about encouragement. Let's not talk about negatives. Let's not talk about uncomfortable things. Let's just encourage and, and bring life and pump each other up. Some churches or communities or gatherings are all about spurring. Is Ben, you came to church already feeling down because of your sins, about your failures, and come on, you get out of there, you feel even worse than you came in. But there needs to be a balance about that. Encouragement needs to have the same level of authenticity and commitment as spurring one another. And I want to encourage you because this is what the Word of God says. These don't happen without strategy. These don't happen without intentionality and willingness to step out of our comfort zone. One anothering is a challenge. It's uncomfortable. We don't know the outcome of our actions if we're going to exactly meet somebody else's needs or make them even more angry or more depressed. But this is the bulk of it all. When we, one another, one another, we get encouraged. The body of Christ grows. The relationships, the links between us grows so, with so much strength that we become more than a place where we gather on Sundays. We become a lot more than the, the music that we sing. We become a lot more than microphones and equipment. We become a family. We become 
the ecclesia. And I, I want to challenge you this morning. Think about what Jesus came to form on this earth. He came to form Ecclesia. Ecclesia is not about Riverside, Lisbon. It's not even about Riverside name. One day, Riverside is going to cease to exist. The name Riverside is not going to be here for eternity. But these relationships are. We are going to be together for eternity. Amen. We're going to be together for eternity because we are ecclesia. Yeah. It's about the relationships that we have. It's about considering one another. It's about spurring one another. It's about encouraging one another. Until the day where Jesus comes back and the Bible is saying, do not stop gathering. When it feels like, why? Why do we do this? Why do we go there? I'm so tired of serving. I'm so tired of doing this. It's always the same people. It's always the same outcomes. And sometimes I get hurt. Sometimes I get encouraged. But sometimes it's so hard. Why do I do it time and time and time again? And I've been to 10 churches. And I still haven't found the best church. Because we need to understand that we are part of the ecclesia of Jesus. It's the gatherings, the relationships that will never be comfortable enough for you to feel satisfied, but they will be the best opportunity you have to one another. One another. I want to ask the worship team to come. And I want us to think, especially in this new season, as we think, and rethink activities. This is going to be the only public gathering that we have on a weekly basis, Sunday services. Um, we'll continue with the rest of the activities online, and Gabby will speak about that in a, in a short while. But as we think about it, as we dwell in this message of what it means to be ecclesia, you don't need this building to be ecclesia. You don't need this gathering to be Ecclesia. You are Ecclesia when you pick up your phone and you call someone who is in this exact auditorium or someone who is watching us online. When you think about them and you let them know, hey, how are you doing? It's good to hear you. Imagine how good it is to listen that from someone who is part of your family in the body of Christ. One another is to provide meals when someone is unable to cook or is going through hardship or struggling financially. One anothering is going out for a movie or have dinner together. And now we need to support our local Portuguese restaurants, guys. So what an amazing opportunity we have while wearing our masks for a little bit, yes, but let's go to restaurants and let's invite someone from the church, from the body of Christ. Hey, we spoke a couple of times at church, but we never got to know each other. Let's do that. Let's do it. What's the risk? Let's encourage one another. Let's get to know the family in the body of Christ. Ecclesia is putting our arms around someone 
and saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. You're not alone. I'm here with you. And I just want to share a very simple story that I heard this week that really filled my heart, filled my heart so much. There was this pastor that he was speaking in, uh, at a conference in Hawaii. I wish. Why, why do I don't get invited to go to conferences in Hawaii? But well, this pastor went, got to go to Hawaii. I don't know if it was his first time. But he was jet-lagging a lot. He was in his hotel room. It was 3 a.m. So he decided to go out and just have a coffee or a decaf or something. So he was walking in, in the city, and he saw this diner open. So he decided to get inside, and it was a very shady diner, like not very nice looking. But there was this waiter that was, he's called Harry, and these two ladies that were sitting in the corner at 3 a.m. in the morning. So... This pastor, he just went inside and, and okay, I'm not going to sit far away from everyone else. So let me get him just a bit closer so I'm being polite. But he overheard the two ladies speaking. And one of them uh, named Agnes, he, she was telling the other, the other lady, so tomorrow is going to be a really unusual day, a, very, a, a really weird day for me because it's, I'm going to be working in my birthday. And the other girl was, oh, happy birthday, then that's awesome. Yeah, but it's a bit weird because... I don't get to do anything. I've never done anything quite special in my birthday, but having to work on that day, uh, it's so annoying. And the pastor could tell by the way that they were dressed that they most probably were prostitutes. And those girls were there for a while, but all of a sudden they, had, they, they left, and there was just Harry and the pastor. And, and the pastor asked Harry, hey, sorry to interrupt you, but do you know if these two ladies, they come here very often? And, uh, and Harry said, yes, they come here every single night. Every single night they're here. They drink their coffee before they go to work. Okay, so you know where they work. And Harry was like, um, yeah, I know where they work. And the pastor was, hey, this is a bit of a crazy thought. But what if, if we, tomorrow night, we throw a surprise birthday party for Agnes? And Harry was like, uh... Okay, yeah, because I mean, it's it's her birthday. He ne she she was just telling the other girl she never had a birthday party. She never really celebrated her birthday. Let's let's just do it. And and Harry got really uh, happy and excited. Okay, okay, yeah, why not? Let's do it. I'm gonna bring some decorations. I'm gonna even cake uh, bake a cake, and I'm gonna tell you where they work so that you can invite uh, her friends and everything. So the pastor's like, exactly. Let me know so that we can bring a lot of people that she knows into this place. So the next night, it was 2.30 a.m. This diner, this shady diner was filled with pa the pastor, Harry, and a bunch of prostitutes. At 3, at 2.30 in the morning. And all of a sudden, Agnes, who didn't have any idea, she came in. She started crying when everyone shouted happy birthday. She, they brought the cake. They sang happy birthday. It was such an, an emotional time. She didn't even know the pastor who was throwing this party. And when they brought the knife to cut the cake, Agnes is, says, uh, wait, 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 wait. Um, can we not eat the cake? Okay, but why? Because no one has ever baked a cake for me before, so I want to keep it. 
Can I freeze it and keep this cake? <laughs> and everyone's like, okay, it's your birthday. You do whatever you want to do. But everyone was thinking that she was, they were going to freeze the cake, but she would stay there in, in, the, in the party. But no, Agnes picked up the cake immediately and went out of the door and go to her house and put the, the cake in the freezer. So all of a sudden, it was just the pastor, Harry, and a bunch of prostitutes again in that, in that diner. And the pastor, in that very awkward moment, he just told everyone, hey, do you mind if we pray for Agnes? We pray for her life? And everyone's like, sure, you do it. I think it's better if you do it, okay? Then the pastor prayed, and he prayed that God would bless Agnes' life, that Agnes would be saved, that she would have a, an encounter with God, a very beautiful prayer. And Harry was like, okay, I see what you're doing here. You're, you are a pastor. You are a minister. You, you are in ministry, correct? And, and the guy said, well, yeah. Why didn't you say that before? And the pastor was like, well, you didn't, never asked me what, what I used to do with my life. Okay. All right. So what, what church do you go to? What kind of church do you go to? And the pastor simply said, well, I go to the kind of church that throws surprise birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m. in shady diners. And Harry said, and this is a true story, and Harry said, that's impossible. There's no such thing. Because if it was, there was, I would be part of that church. We need to be the church that encourages, that considers, and spurs one another. I want Riverside Lisbon, if it depends on me, I want this church to be about relationships, about family, about supporting one another, encouraging one another. Even if it's just having a good time, a good laugh, when someone just comes for the first time, we enjoy that time together. Even if it's just that, I want us to be the ecclesia that Jesus called us to be. I've asked the team to sing this song together with us. I'm going to invite you to stand. And let's declare with our mouths the kind of church, the kind of community that Jesus came to form. And may the words of this song really go deep inside your heart and make you think, make you question, why do I gather? Why does Riverside Lisbon matter? It matters because of one another. It matters because of others. It matters because it's so great not to miss what God is doing in your life. It's so great to serve you and see you blossom and see you grow and see you go through the challenges in life. Yes, sometimes it's quite hard, but with a smile on your face because God is showing his faithfulness to you and to me. Let's sing together and let's declare the word of God over our lives this morning.